So today we embark on a new voyage of discovery or perhaps rediscovery. Over the next seven weeks, we look at the creation of community. We reflect on the challenges, the values and the opportunities we have to help to create and enhance community. At Northern, we have three core values. Deepening spirituality, which we took time to look at last year. Demonstrating compassion, which we're going to look at some more next year. And this year, we're going to invest some time in developing community and looking at that topic. So, what does broccoli have to do with creating community? For those of you that have been, um, follow us on Facebook and that sort of stuff, you might have seen some reference to broccoli. Well, there were a few suggestions. Uh, Joanne wondered whether it was about little trees and, and us planting seeds out into the community. Terry wondered if it was the fact that broccoli has eight benefits for our lives, which, if it benefits individuals, must make them better and give us a greater desire to be at work and and live and be at work in our communities. And they're great suggestions. What might you suggest when you think about broccoli and community, how they have a relationship together? Well, we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, the the Hugh Mackay book, or Hugh Mackay book, The Art of Belonging, in that Hugh uh, reflects on his experiences as a social researcher and how societies and communities work. In this book, Hugh writes, the magical word community conjures up the deepest truths about us, that we are social creatures by nature. We belong in social settings We like being around other people. We work with colleagues, often in tight-knit groups. We play together. We drink together. We like to eat in company with others. We go to meetings. We join clubs and choirs and committees. We go to church for social as well as spiritual reasons. We congregate in small groups that satisfy our herd instinct. We need networks, our families and our friends to be accessible in the flesh, not just online or acknowledged in an um, exchange of Christmas cards. If there is ever an example of how deep and, and passionate we are about living in community, that the fact that you would join a committee to experience community really is saying how the, the, the desperate lengths that we'll go to at times to, to be a part of community... Um, As a faith community and as followers of Jesus, we believe that we are created in the image of God. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons referred to as the Trinity and co-equally one God. If God is a relational God and if we are created in the image of God, then it's natural to conclude that we too are designed for relationship and we are designed for community. Indeed, God said in Genesis 2 verse 18, it's not good for man to be alone. That does not mean that every person should marry or that single people are less or are missing out. But what it does mean, what it does mean is that we are designed, it is a part of our DNA to live in and to find our identity in community. 
In fact, Mackay says that to speak of identity in isolation of others is kind of like a redundant statement. So significant is our identity in the fact that we live in community, that if we lived by ourselves in isolation, then our need for identity wouldn't really be there. But living in community takes work, sometimes a lot of work. It requires intention and effort to live in community. Living in community exposes our selfishness and celebrates our selflessness. How do we learn values such as tolerance, respect, patience, empathy, compassion and kindness outside of community? Is it perhaps by eating broccoli? Well, we'll get to that soon. Each of these virtues or of patience or forgiveness or tolerance, etc., they're like muscles that are built up, are strengthened as we encounter resistance. If we only connect to people who we like and share our interests or our views, it might be comfortable for us, but it fails to develop in us the relational muscles that we need to create a strong community. The photo that you can see on the, the screen there is of a water pump in a camp in northeast Sulawesi in Indonesia. In this camp, there are both, and I visited this camp, uh, in this camp there are both Christian, a Christian quarter or a Christian area and a Muslim area. And this well is the only well and it's located in the Christian area. The Muslims that are a part of that community were the Muslims that terribly persecuted Christians. Yet in this community, where the only well is, the Christians welcome and encourage Muslims to come and share their well so that they can have fresh, safe, clean drinking water. We face challenges in our community of increasing fragmentation and when communities fragment and fight one of the casualties of the war is our moral standards. McKay notes that the changes of our patterns of life whether it be changes around marriage or um, with marriage and divorce and the instability that family units have in higher rates of disruption uh, to the family unit, the fragmentation often has a knock-on effect with our previously established networks of friends and relationships that we have. The celebrated two-person income household can often come with the cost of absenteeism from local neighbourhoods. With increased mobility in the population means that the likelihood of us being in our own home or our own local community for most of our life is also an exception rather than the rule. And while we can look nostalgically on the past and the way things were and we can try and want to turn back the clock, our energies are better spent in investing in creating community at all levels now, not just wishing for the way things were. As we consider creating community and the challenge of fragmentation, the way to create community is through fractals. 
Now, Matt, I mentioned to Matt about fractals, and he said, oh, yeah, I, I do recall hearing something about this in mathematics. Um, as a, in mathematics, it's a, it's a part of a concept, um, is this fractals thing. It's about repeatable units that, when multiplied, create something greater. Fractals tend to look nearly the same at this, um, the different various levels um, in the, as, as you magnify, as you step back further. They look the same. I first became aware of fractals in Margaret Whitley's book, Leadership and the New Science, which was published in 1999. Now, I bet you've seen fractals at play. We've got some of those on the screen now. Uh, when water freezes, in a fern, in a nautilus shell, in some flower heads, or in the humble broccoli. Now, for those of you who are playing at home, I'm passing around some broccoli for people to look at um, and we'll get people, hopefully you won't spill too much of it on you, but have a look at it as it comes around and consider the way it looks and the different shapes that you see within it. So have a look at it from one side and then, then look at it from the other. And I'll take some down the back as well. If you can pass it, Campbell, down to the people behind you as well, that'd be great. Now, when you think about broccoli, you, you look at it and um, from a distance, it just looks like a whole clump and... It all kind of blends in together. But as you turn the broccoli, broccoli around and as you look at it from the cut side, you see more closely how it's made up. The stem and then the branches and then you see that that moves into more stems and more branches with smaller stems and smaller branches until you reach the very tiny floret. The floret is a, a little bud of... The, uh, just before it becomes a flower. And as a community, we can scan across an aerial view, and I think we've got a photo of and Northern, the church. Um, that's us right here. If you wave, you might be able to see yourself wave. No, um, but that's our building there. But as you look across the, the suburb from an aerial view, you see a, a sea of rooftops. But then we discover that they're made up of streets, like broccoli and stems and branches. Then as we move closer, we find these streets are where you live, where your home is located. And each floret in a, a piece of broccoli is like a home in the community. Each of these homes are of amazing value in creating a community, just as each floret is of amazing value in creating broccoli. Homes, whether they're made up of a single person, um, a single person dwelling or friends sharing together, sole parents, parents, couples, each home contains within it values and behaviours that have an amazing value and an impact on the wider community. In these homes, especially in families, we develop a sense of a moral code of how we get along how we relate to each other, the do's and the don'ts, 
as we navigate through sibling and family feuds in a positive and healthy way, we learn the essential skills and value that we take with us into the classroom, into the playground, into the workspaces, into the broader community. Expectations of behaviours are tested and challenged and worked through. When these challenges are worked through in a positive and a constructive way, the ripple effect uh, through the community help to make the community stronger. When there are uh, fractures and schisms, then the ripple effect can be equally destructive. In the early days of the church, we read about how there were different parts of a multicultural community were drawn together as a family, as a part of God's family. In the letter Paul wrote to the faith community in Ephesus, he commended them to encourage and encourage them to recognise what unites them as followers of Jesus and to be a part of God's family in so much Um, being a part of God's family is so much stronger and so much more important than the feuds and the fractures that the world around us focuses on. There are no second-class citizens in God's community. As members of God's family, to recap the words of Paul, which Leah read out earlier in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, it reads this, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him you Gentiles are being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. The value of developing community or creating community is a call by Jesus on us to live out Ephesians 2 and for it to be a part of our DNA. Because we have experienced God's love, we know God's grace and mercy, the church should be the benchmark, the model to the broader community on how to overcome differences. So my challenge to us as followers of Jesus is that we are as commissioned and set apart by God, we should be the leaders in how to create community. People should feel more welcome here, more loved here than at the bowls club or down at the pub or at Rotary or Lions. Now, that's not to say that people shouldn't feel a deep sense of community in those places as well. But if their experience is, is more, is better, in a, a better sense of community elsewhere than within the church, then we are doing something wrong. When it comes to how we experience community in the family of God, we should be doing all that we can to have and create a strong sense of community in the way that we interact with each other and the values that we in, engender and foster within the family of God. I've young, uh, for a long time, I have believed that for a visitor, the speaker's role on Sunday is not the most crucial role. The pastor's role for a visitor is not the most important one. Those who have the most significant impact on a visitor on a Sunday is the person welcoming at the door. 
as those sitting around the visitor during the service, inviting them for a cuppa after the service, showing them where things are, how they can connect with other people, introducing them to others, helping them to get to know others in our faith community better. As Ephesians says, helping them to be no longer strangers or feeling like foreigners, helping visitors to feel at home. As we return to our various homes across our community, there are mums and mother figures that play a significant role in our community. In each of the florets that can so easily get lost in the big picture, Christian women play a vital role by instilling values and having influence, by weaving strong moral behaviours within the lives of those that they connect with, whether it be at home, at school, at work, with friends, with neighbours. When community fragments, when people start doing their own thing, when people seem far from God, we need homes and businesses in our communities. In, in these places, we need women who will model and lead. Women like Deborah, who help lead God's people at a difficult time. We read of this woman who leads a nation of Israel in the account called Judges in the fourth chapter. Judges 4 verses 4 and 5. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at the time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites would go to her for judgment. Only two verses, yet they say so much about the character of this woman, the mother of the nation of Israel. The verses speak to us today about the value of women within um, the family of God, women who have a passion for God, who can influence and change the fate of a nation. A woman like the women here who listen to, uh, who are a part of the service today, women who listen to the podcast, when, we are, when you are used by God to do amazing things in our community, heaven knows what can be achieved. So as we wrap up this Mother's Day service, here are some final reflections. Deborah did not hide behind or defer to her husband. She expressed her God-given gifts for the glory of God to the benefit of the community. Deborah, as a prophet, has a close relationship with God. She spent time with God. She opened herself up to what God said through um, herself to others. Deborah was prepared to have a voice in the community. But Deborah was also a woman who had the strength of character. She didn't shout from the rooftops. Deborah didn't try and be a man in a male-dominated world. She led in her own style, with integrity to her own identity before God. Deborah sat under a tree. She spoke with God-given authority. Deborah had developed a reputation of credibility with men and women who went to hear her prophetic discernment, wisdom and judgment. Today in homes, in our workplaces 
in our communities. We need women who don't try to be something that they're not. We need women like you to have a close relationship with God, to be used by God and your God-given gifts. Not to flash them around to try and best men, but women in homes, in workplaces and in our community who will be prepared to live with character, with integrity, to be used by God in the place that God has put you in, to influence people, to influence systems and structures where God places you with these things across your path for the purpose of God and what God has in store for them. As Hugh McKay recognises, there are significant challenges that our communities face. But these challenges provide the church an opportunity to model and to provide leadership in what it looks like to be a family of people that can overcome challenges, the differences that so often these challenges can bring. And for the women in our church who God has richly blessed us with, we want to celebrate the blessing you are to us as a church and for our communities. Our communities are better because of you. As you discover and use your God-given gifts, as you, like Deborah, pull in close to God, have a close relationship with God, you can change the course, not only of your family, of your school, your work, your community, but like Deborah, you could even change the course of a nation. So how do we respond today? Well, there's a couple of things that I'd encourage us to reflect on. And if you want to pull out those response cards, you don't have to respond to each of these suggestions, but there might be one that stands out a little bit more for you. Perhaps today you might want to offer a prayer of thanks for the women who have been a positive influence in your life. Perhaps you might want to invite God to use you in this church to overcome the barriers and to help people to feel welcome. Perhaps you might want to ask God to use this church to be a positive influence in the community. Or perhaps ask God to use you to be a positive influence with those you come in contact with. Let's take some time as some music's played to respond to the things that God is saying to you today and how we can be a part of creating a stronger, a better community for God and for those that live around us. God bless you.